The Athletic. That cheer you hear? That's the GTEC Community Stadium reacting to Ethan Pinnock's goal on the final day of the 2022-23 season as Brentford beat champions Manchester City. Impressive enough a stat on its own, but it also meant they did the double over the table toppers that season. Brentford's victory over Man City at the Etihad in November was seismic in what it meant for their campaign. I think it was a turning point for the whole season. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the best of weeks leading up to it, but, you know, Thomas wanted to go and win the game. Beating Man City away, leaving on such a high for the World Cup break, just made us believe that we could definitely escape from the relegation battle and then just look forward, look, look upwards. You know, I've been so used to losing there so many times, so, yeah, it was, it was special to, to go and do that. Looking at the big chances and what we created of dangerous, dangerous situations, we we deservedly won the game. You know, the reaction of the fans at the end and, and everyone was, yeah, some of that that we'll all remember, I'm sure, for a, for a long time. After being left out of England's squad for the 2022 World Cup, Ivan Tony let Gareth Southgate know he'd made the wrong decision with an incredible performance a couple of days later against Man City. He was unstoppable and scored twice, including a last-minute winner. Tony was one of the best players in the Premier League during the 2022-23 season. He scored 20 goals in 33 appearances, only Erling Haaland and Harry Kane could beat that stat. In March, he made his debut for England as a substitute in their 2-0 victory over Ukraine in a qualifying match for the European Championships in 2024. It was only a matter of time until bigger clubs started showing a serious interest in him. However, in the background, he was being investigated by the Football Association for breaching their betting rules, as I mentioned in episode 1. He was originally charged in November. May 17th, 2023. Ivan Tony has been suspended from all football and football-related activity with immediate effect for eight months. The day Ivan Tony is told he cannot have anything to do with football for eight months. You know, the biggest punishment for Ivan is that he's not getting to do the thing he loves. And you can take away all the whistles and bells around the money and the adulation you get in playing Premier League. But ultimately, Ivan loves playing football. And they've not just taken that away, but they've also stopped him having any sort of football-related activity. The Brentford striker admitted to breaching rules around betting on football 232 times, including placing 13 bets on his own team to lose in seven different matches and 16 bets on his own team to win in 15 different matches. The FA had checked his bank records and phone messages as part of their investigation. Their report was damning and devastating. As a result, Tony was diagnosed with having a gambling addiction. He cannot play football again until January 2024 and is not even allowed to train with Brentford until September 2023. When the time's right, I'll speak out on majority of things and clear a few things out that I need to be clear. So that time's not now? Not now, not now. I'm Jay Harris. And for one last time, this is Access All Areas Brentford, Episode 4, European Ambitions and the Ivan Tony Dilemma. Please give him your support. I know you'll come back even stronger. 
That's Thomas Frank addressing the fans on the final day of the season, asking Brentford supporters to stick by Tony's side. And the whole club are certainly doing the same. Performance director, Ben Ryan. I think we all feel like we're 100% behind Ivan and want to do anything we can within the rules to help him come back and just smash the season. Ivan is, he's a very approachable person. He's very easy to talk to and he's a fantastic guy as well. Club captain, Christian Norgard. He's been, he's been quite open about it. Uh, I mean, of course there are some things that he didn't want to talk about, which was totally fine. I think it's just a big responsibility that we have as a, as a club, not only the players, but also staff and sports director and the owner. I think we're all here to, to help him. Uh, and there will probably be a time where it's tough for him to be outside. Um, but knowing Ivan and his mentality, I think the comeback will be fantastic. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm sure he will return even stronger than what he was before. Tony scored 34% of Brentford's goals in the top flight last season. We've seen them cope with losing star players before, but this will be one of their biggest challenges yet. So how do they replace Ivan Tony? You can't replace Ivan. Lee Dykes, technical director. Similarly, you couldn't replace Ollie Watkins. You can't replace Neil Morpé. Speaking about Ivan as an individual case, he's very Zlatan Ibrahimovic in terms of the impact he has around him. Like he's got an aura, he's got a profile, he's got a presence. Very quickly became a leader in our group. So you can't replace that. You just have to go for the player that you believe in the most to come in and play as the next number nine for, for Brentford. We may have a couple of people internally that we think could do that. Uh, signing a number nine in the marketplace is incredibly difficult. That is the position that you need to get right if you want to be successful. And we got Ivan right. We was good for him. He's been really good for us. Um, but replacing Ivan Tony, unfortunately, no chance. Uh, but we will get some other good players uh, that are slightly different. Eight of the 20 Premier League clubs had a gambling company as their front-of-shirt sponsor last season, while the English Football League has a long-term partnership with Sky Bet. The Premier League have agreed to ban betting firms from the front-of-shirts from the start of the 2026-27 campaign, but advertising will still be allowed on shirt sleeves and on stadium hoardings. The Athletic also has advertising deals with gambling companies. And of course, Brentford's owner, Matthew Benham, made his money from gambling. When asked about football's relationship with betting, this is what manager Thomas Frank told us. If you ask me on a personal note, I prefer not. Nothing against Hollywood bets. I think they've been a, a brilliant partner for us uh, in many ways. If you just look at the uh, the way we work together, I don't know that from, from John Varney and, and everyone involved uh, with that. But, but the message, I prefer something else, of course, on the front of the shirt. Brentford was sponsored by Hollywood Bets, a South African-based gambling company, for their first two seasons in the top flight and they had an important decision to make in light of Tony's ban. Instead of taking a stand, in July, they renewed their partnership with Hollywood Bets for another two years. It was a move which was criticised by section of the club's fan base and The Big Step, a UK-based charity which aims to end gambling advertisement and sponsorship within football. The Big Step called Brentford's decision regrettable and careless. Here's John Varney, the club's chief executive, with his take on the situation. As a Premier League, we, we took a decision that there wouldn't be betting sponsors on the front of the shirt after the end of the 25-26 season. Uh, and for us, it's all about making sure we're in the best place to transition away from betting. I think we, we've got a brilliant relationship with Hollywood Bets. They, they know that 
it will come to an end from a front of shirt perspective. We want to keep that relationship going for many, many years to come. Pe- people tend to forget and they, they just have seen Hollywood Bets and Brentford since the start of the Premier League. But Hollywood Bets were with us in the championship days as well. So they've been a, a great partner. You know, they're a, they're a strong supporter of, of, of responsible gambling. You know, they are incredibly community focused in their own market in South Africa. You know, they're a huge employer down there. And they're very, very respectful organisation. Do you understand why some fans don't like, not necessarily just Brentford, but Skybet sponsoring the EFL and that close relationship? Uh, of course I can understand it. And, um, you know, I, I know it is a, you know, it's a divisive subject. And believe you me, you know, my main job is to be the pragmatic person in the organisation, which is give everybody a real dose of reality and to give that context when you get promoted from the championship on the 28th of May and you're starting a Premier League season in the first week of August and you've got to get kits produced and everything else that goes alongside that you know trying to convince a non-betting brand to become your sponsor at the levels of income that you need in order to compete in the Premier League is is a is very difficult but but you know full well you've got to balance those books and um you know my job is to drive the commercial revenue every single penny that we generate is being ploughed back into this football club and primarily into our on field activities so there's no shareholder taking out a big dividend here at the end of each year everything that we're generating goes back into the playing department and building the infrastructure of the organisation um i think it'll be ideally a, a different thing but i think no matter what we put on the front of the the shirt we need to be aware of the signals we are sending and that's tricky i think either you want to be 100% pure that there's no issues and i think that's difficult in the modern world over the course of this series we've gone through a lot of the questions i get asked all the time how do brentford recruit so well how talented is Romeo Beckham? What's going to happen with Ivan Tony? Have I learnt to pronounce Marina Steekhausen's name? Did, did I get that right? And there's one more. Can Brentford keep going? Or are they going to fly too close to the sun like Southampton did and find themselves battling relegation in a year's time? Well, remember how performance director Ben Ryan described the club in episode two? I think one of the superpowers at Brentford is that we're sensible. In fact, he said the word sensible seven times throughout our 40-minute interview. That means, when I asked the powers that be if they have any concern about repeating the same mistakes as previous Premier League overachievers Leicester City, Southampton or Stoke City, the answers I get are, well, sensible. Here's director of football Phil Giles, for example. The secret here is not to focus too much on ninth or not ninth. The secret is how do you get better on the pitch? How do we get better even though we're missing Ivan for six months? Where do we need to improve? How do we get our current players better? What do they need to do individually and collectively? What can we add to the group which will make us collectively better? Or, or talented players who, you know, like Brighton have done with young players, who, who ultimately maybe in two or three years' time will, 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 will make you better. But how do you do that in the short term? How do you do it in the medium term, long term? Like, you know, we could get 59 points and finish 12th next year. We could finish 6th next year with the same number of points. Other teams are all obviously in the division. They're performing. We can't control what they do. So you just got to focus on being better ourselves and then trust that 
trust that that'll be enough to keep improving you your underlying level but also recognizing that you know ultimately we're in that group of clubs that things could go against them and we could have a disastrous season i mean like leicester would probably wouldn't expect them to go down they did that can happen to any club i think matthew's one of the most level-headed people i've ever met i think phil we we know is pretty cool as a cucumber Thomas is also someone that understands how tight the margins are in the Premier League. So, you know, you, you know full well that if you keep working hard and you keep on top of the controllables, then that's all you can really do. Even head coach Thomas Frank gives me the sensible, cliched answer. It's, it's talking about the reality. It's, it's being, I said before the season and I said I'll probably just reinforce that message but sometimes I'm just so tired of saying it the same but top six plus Newcastle that's seven maybe take Brighton up there now because they've done so well they're so stable and if they sell two of the top, top players for 60 plus they probably invest uh, so let's say top eight almost impossible to break into the rest of us we need to to fight for the next positions and every team can get relegated that's reality so we we ambitious. We want to do better, and um, and then we will yeah take one game at a time. I've spent a lot of time sitting opposite Thomas Frank in press conferences over the last two years, and one thing he constantly mentions is Brentford's culture. But how do they go about creating that? If you want to achieve something in in a in a highly elite performance environment, a highly competitive environment, you need to drive high standards. Then you have the good people then you need to work unbelievable hard and you need to drive that so work hard that means a lot of hours whatever you do I think that's a big thing to work hard but also work smart uh, as we do and I also think there is that you need to keep your energy so you you constantly can can affect people how do you work smart I could definitely work smarter I think Uh, (laughs) how do you think you could work smarter then uh, I think for me it's just prioritizing my time more time planning training sessions more time prepare the team for the game uh, the more I can do that the better but of course I have to do bits like this uh, <laughs> uh, but that that's that's an, an non-negotiable I have to do that I know that sorry Thomas needs must one thing Thomas mentioned there was driving high standards enter name's Ben Ryan and I am the performance director at Brentford Ben doesn't do many interviews now that he's at Brentford and in an ideal world I'd go to the pub or a basketball game with him and just shoot the breeze about all things sports. I mean, this guy knows so much. He used to be a rugby sevens coach and he led Fiji to their first ever Olympic gold medal in any sport at the 2016 Olympics in Rio de Janeiro. Back in previous life, I was also a consultant for Nike and a lot of stuff I was doing was around uh, footwear. And so I got to find out quite nerdy stuff around traction and grip and the right boots to wear. And we had created these little projects around moments. So create a boot just for a corner, just for a penalty, just for a first touch, which obviously is ridiculous because you, you know you can't just put on a new pair of boots for a corner and take them off again. But it then just led to ideas around what would perhaps a, a boot look like in the future. But we're here to talk about Brentford. So let's get back on track. Ben's job is to find ways that Brentford can improve themselves across all areas as a club. My guiding principles as performance director are to one from an individual help people become their best version and from a team I always ask my question on whatever we do is it going to get as close to three points on Saturday if they can't answer that in the first 10 seconds then it's it's not a conversation that I'll entertain anymore 
we get so many people that will hit everybody up. It's not that hard to work out people's email addresses. And you get all these people that will tell you, I've got this new device that's going to make sure that you know exactly how fit your players are and what they should eat. And I've got this technology and all this stuff. And you're looking at it and going, why have they not just done some due diligence on this lot, this rubbish, this noise? And finding the signal is so important. And nearly all the time, it's basics. And so I remember when I was with England in the Commonwealth Games, we spent 30 grand on trying to find a way. We're in India, in Delhi for the Commonwealth Games. Very hot, trying to find a way of cooling down. And Nike had been involved in it, UK Sport, 30 grand on it, and had these ice fests, all this sort of stuff. And we're playing Samoa in the quarterfinals. And we just, at half time, just taken off our ice vests or whatever we think and various things that we're using. And Samoa had their beanies in the ice bucket and they just put them on at half time. And it was the quickest, cheapest way to cool yourself down. They'd spent you know, a quid, two quid on it. We spent 30 grand on something that didn't work and players hated it. Because again, I got lost in the noise and didn't see the signal. And I think, you know, that's a very important for me that I always kind of cut to the chase what's going to help us get better what's going to help a person get better how do i help someone be their best version just on culture it's something that thomas probably mentions at least once every other week in his his press conferences how do you create a culture a good culture and a good environment at a club like brentford i know it's a slightly different because you've joined midway through the journey but day to day what do you do or what do you see people do that helps push that culture and improve that culture there's a few things really one's um consistent behaviors so making sure that we've got standards that if if we said that this is a certain standard so i don't know uh first team players don't have phones in the gym then if you walk past a player that's got a phone in the gym you say something and explain about how they make the connection and understand there's a connection between having your phone in the gym and performing as a team on a saturday and if as a collection everyone's happy to pick up people knowing that it's always professional it's never personal and we're just trying to create a culture where you can help people be their best version and feel safe enough to be able to speak up with culture it's like a garden there's some stuff that you look at and go don't need to touch that for a month you can just leave it alone there's other stuff that going i've got to keep watering that i've got to prune that and culture's a bit like that if you if you take your eye off it or you think you've got a good culture and you can just leave it alone it will it, it will soon get go south. And I think everybody is so keen on the fact that we've spent so long trying to get in the Premier League that once we're here, we're not suddenly going to give this up and we're not going to sit back, think we've made it. There's there's a real hunger to get better every day. And, and that, that's not just something that I'm banging out because it's a nice line. It's It's definitely something I feel every day. One area where Brentford can get better and most likely will get better, is their women's team. Unlike the men's side, they're nowhere near the elite tier. Instead, they're in the succinctly titled London and South East Regional Women's Division 1 North. Yeah, that's a mouthful. It's tier six. They're alongside sides like Clapton Community, Dulwich Hamlet Reserves and Richmond Park. Not what you'd necessarily expect from a club that's taken so much pride in its diverse board and innovation. My name's Carly Osborne and I am now head coach of the women's team um, at Brentford Football Club. Carly used to play for Brentford between 2005 and 2012, making over 150 appearances. I did want to know, when did you become women's head coach and how did that kind of come about? Probably, I think it's about four and a half, five years ago now. So my wife used to play for the women's team. Um, you never told me that. 
Did I not know? I don't think many people do know that, but my, my wife actually played for Brentford Women's since she was 14. So she played for a long time. When we first got together, I used to go and watch some of the games and stuff and started to take an interest in the women's, women's team. Um, and then one of my good friends was coaching and asked me to come back and, and do some coaching with him. So I did that and I really enjoyed it. And then a few years after that, I came back to London after moving away again. And then I, uh, I said to Amy and Roger, who owned the club at the time, um, I said, look, I'd love to come in and help in some way. I'd love to coach if that's what you'd want me to do. And then it kind of started from there really. And yeah, I've, I've loved it ever since. Amy and Roger Crook are integral to Brentford women. It literally wouldn't even exist without them. Amy Roger's daughter wanted to play. There wasn't many women's teams then. And I think Roger decided that he was going to start a team and it kind of went from strength to strength. Got more, more women involved, more girls involved and then kept growing and building year upon year. And now we're here playing at the GTEC in front of five and a half thousand people. And, and that story started 30, 30 plus years ago. But it took a while for Brentford women to officially come under the B's banner, with it finally happening around 2018. But for Carly, being welcomed in has made a huge difference from better facilities to an increase in coaches. And now- and It's allowed us to, to make the girls fitter, stronger, um, more aware. We've got, obviously we do analysis now. We've got a VO and stuff. So, you know, we can, we can do work and show girls clips of, of what they've done really well or, or what they might need to improve on. Um, and a better understanding of how we play as a team. Those are things that we, we can now do. And that will only keep helping improve and develop the players, which is only what we want to do. We want to develop the players. We want to create as, as good a players as we can. And we want to go up the leagues and, and play at the highest level we can. What would you say has been the biggest challenge during your time as head coach? I think the biggest challenge is, is getting the players that you need in to take, you, take us to the level that we, we want to be at. I think that's, a, that's been a big challenge. But I think where we're at now and what we're doing and moving forward over the next few years, I think as a club at our level and probably two, three, maybe even four leagues above us, they can't really offer what we offer to players. I mean, playing at a Premier League stadium isn't something that every tier six team gets to do after all. I think it shows the players and I think it shows the fans and everyone involved that Brentford are serious about women's football and they, and they want to develop it and improve it. And it's about giving the players that are here moments to understand and, and enjoy, of course, but to understand that, you know, the club is moving forward and we have to be better players. We have to be better people. We have to be fitter. We have to be stronger. We have to do all of that in order to, to push the club forward. But, you know, it, it goes to show that we value you and, and you are important. Right now, you might be thinking, but this is Brentford. They're a well-run Premier League club. Surely they can now just splash cash and quickly fire the team up the divisions. But according to John Varney, it's not that straightforward. We don't have a lot of money to throw around and every penny that we try and spend, we try and spend it wisely. And it, and it feels more Brentford to build something organically. Yes, we've looked at options of supercharging it by paying players, bringing them in, but you know, you know, one of our core values is respectful. You know, the women's team was in existence. We need to be respectful for the, the management, the coaches and the players by supporting them and giving them every opportunity to get better. Creating a, an infrastructure you can sustain for a long period of time. I think creating an understanding and awareness of how, how it will look when we're there, 
what we necessarily are going to need to get there, I think is super important. And ultimately, the end, the end goal and the end game is is always we want to stay there. It's great. We could plow loads of money in, and and I'm sure that would help us in terms of getting there much quicker. But will we sustain it there? Will we stay there? I don't know because if we're not ready with the right infrastructure in place for for that, then it becomes more detrimental in the end. Remember that we're sensible. Yes. Okay. Sensible club equals successful club. That success means the men's team were invited to take part in the Premier League Summer Series in the US. That's where they are right now, while I'm stuck in a small studio in London. I'm no idea how that's worked out. They'll be playing Fulham, Brighton and Aston Villa in Philadelphia, Atlanta and Maryland respectively. Probably everyone would think that the minute we were asked that we jumped at it, but um, the truth is we, we gave it really careful consideration. Here's John Varney explaining why they've gone there. We had some serious conversations with the Premier League about, you know, is it right for us? What are the training facilities like? What's the schedule like? Kickoff times, training in the heat, through those conversations and through the investment of sending out specialists from our playing department and our operations team, we've, we've got ourselves really comfortable with the facilities that we're going to be working in when we get there and of course it's going to be a great life experience for the players and some technically very good games for us leading into the start of the, uh, the Premier League season. So as we round up, it's time to look ahead and ask what the future holds for the club. Champions League. What was that I was just saying about being sensible? I think from a performance point of view, I've not, you know, obviously I've seen some very talented players in the opposition. There's nothing I see from our, our, our staff that makes you think we can't compete with anybody. And from our players, their collective attitude, and I think we've got some very underrated players at this club that are they're exceptional talent. They're very hungry to, to prove everyone wrong. And, and hunger, when you've got points to prove collectively, and there's quite a lot of our coaches, you know, um, that didn't quite make the top end at football. And they've, they've also got points to prove and they want to be they want to make those points now as coaches and help people achieve. I don't think there's, I don't want to say we're going to do this or we're going to do that, but we certainly just think we can keep improving. Yeah, you can beat Man City twice in the season, but we know how difficult that's been. <laughs> the players had to go out and do it. They don't come off going, yeah, that was easy. Proof we win the league next year. They come out and they say, you know, that was, <laughs> it's a tough game. And to keep repeating that would be uh, it was very very difficult. Well, we can't get carried away. I mean, we finished ninth in the in the Premier League, both for how we measure things and also as part of the league table. And yes, we missed out on Europe by a couple of points, but we've just got to continue to try and step forward, get the right players in. There'll be a challenge for Brentford as we sell some of our better players, because no matter how good the player is coming in to replace them, sometimes there is a period of transition. And if you're not in that top six, eight Premier League club bracket, there's always a very realistic chance of, of a club maybe having an off-season and, and facing relegation. We've seen that with Leicester, who have won the Premier League, won the FA Cup, and now they find themselves in the Championship. It's pretty scary, that. So we don't get carried away. We'll focus on performance, not results. And we'll just try and step forward and sign some really interesting players that we think can, can add value to the squad and keep the best people at the club and make sure there's some longevity and some 
and some structure there. What happens in the future, I don't know. Maybe, as I said that before, it's impossible to, to, to predict. I'm, I'm ambitious. I think there's a lot of things we can, we, can, we can achieve. Am I here one year, two years, three years, ten years? I don't know. But I just love to go to work every day and, and take it as it comes. Over these four episodes, we've looked at how Brentford have climbed up the divisions over the last decade to become a successful Premier League club. We've heard from head coach Thomas Frank about the challenge of playing in the top flight. Technical director Lee Dykes revealed all of their recruitment secrets. Okay, he only revealed some of them. And we found out about the club's work with heart charities in their local community. We've touched on Christian Eriksen, Ivan Tony, and Romeo Beckham and asked how the club can sustain their success in the future. I'm not sure if they'll reach the Champions League anytime soon, but it'll be great fun watching them try. I'm Jay Harris, and thank you for listening to Access All Areas Brentford. Access All Areas Brentford was hosted by me, Jay Harris. It was written by Jay Harris and Abby Patterson. It was produced by Abby Patterson, with additional production from Max Davru and Jay Beal. It was an athletic media company production. Athletic.